Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, it's Anna. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to study the power that food can have on our health. When I started practicing as a nutritional therapist a decade ago, I realized that what is just as important is the relationship that we have with food. This is very often a mirror for the relationship we have with ourselves. Through my own personal journey and health challenges, I was forced to dig deeper and understand things that go beyond just our physical bodies. I learned the importance of working with the whole person to create a balanced body, mind, heart, and soul. I'm now passionate about using my diverse toolbox to help women slow down, take better care of themselves, and ultimately cultivate a life which is a reflection of self-love. If you feel like this is speaking to you, I created a 43-page guide nine steps to love, nourish, and connect with your body to create an energized life with a happy heart and soul. You can download it for free and join my Grounded Goddess community for even more inspiration by visiting groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps, S-T-E-P-S. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the community. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kombucha and Color. I'm Shay and I always have Anna with me. Welcome Anna to the show. Today we are going to be talking to Anna or rather Anna is going to be talking to us about all the content that she learned in a recent course that she's done um, with Dr. Karazian on Save Your Brain. So you can expect in this episode some juicy brain nuggets, some information on how the different lobes of the brain affect us in different ways and some things that we can do, practical things that we can do to support and nourish the functioning of our brain. So Anna, are you ready to, when did you do this course actually? Let us know. On Black Friday, I did as many people do, which is like just completely avoid going to the shops or doing anything where you can spend any money. But that sneaky email marketing really, really got me. And I ended up getting marketed this course, which is the Save Your Brain course um, by Dr. Karazian, um, which I bought on the Black Friday sale. And it was so sneaky as well, because I, I think I woke up really, really early on the Saturday morning and, you know, the offer ended midnight Black Friday, but that was PST, California time. Oh. So I just, I just actually very, very last minute ended up buying this course and taking up the offer. And all I can say is money incredibly 
well spent because I have learned so much personally from taking this course and how I can um, help to improve some of the things I've been experiencing. And now when I'm speaking with clients, I can just have so much more clarity in terms of what's going on with them and how I can help them. So this is really why we're doing the podcast today is just because this information that I have to share with you can potentially be so powerful. If anybody is experiencing any brain fog, any low energy or any change in um, neurological symptoms, which I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail about what those are and what you could be looking for, then this episode is for you. So just right off the top, if you could, before we get into the nitty gritty juicy details, what is the number one top tip that you would say to save your brain? Could you summarize it and like, what is the number one like practical thing or... Uh, oh, geez, that is really hard. So what we'll talk about um, on the show is the four needs of a neuron. So if I can give four things, <laughs> that okay, would make life okay, so much easier. Okay. But those four things are, we need to make sure there's adequate oxygen going to the brain. We need to make sure that there's adequate glucose going to the brain. We need to make sure that the the brain receives healthy stimulation. And we also need to make sure that the mitochondria, the energy factories in the, in the brain cells are working well. And though we will dive straight in, but um, if you can do those four things, those are the four things you really want to focus on. Okay. So it's not something like sleep more or... Actually, like yeah. I mean, um, in, in the, this is a, a value that I hold with my clients and in the training, he mentions it as well, but it, he would say that one of the priorities is getting people to sleep through the night, sleeping and stress reduction. And I think that goes for anything, really. We all know we feel better when we, when we sleep properly and when we have less stress. Okay, so those four things, again, are oxygen, adequate glucose, enough stimulus to the brain, and mitochondrial function of the neuron cells. Mm -hmm. And then sleep and stress management. Sleep and stress, okay. Cool. So take it away. Yeah. So I guess um, to kind of like introduce this, I almost want to use myself as a bit of a case study. And I know I've talked about my health a lot on the show, but just to kind of highlight that some of the symptoms that I was experiencing was waking up in the morning and almost, I almost felt like I was dead behind my eyes is probably the best way to explain it. Like I just felt like I would wake up in the morning and even if I'd slept a full nine hours or something amazing like that, I would still feel like there was just this low level fog behind my eyes. Um, This was also coupled with difficulty focusing and really concentrating throughout the day. My energy is usually better in the morning, but if I you know, got a really long email from a client with a lot of detail and I kind of really had to read it and think and focus on, on how to respond, sometimes I would just have to leave it until the next day when I was more fresh to be able to answer and respond. Also, just in some cases, experiencing fatigue and body pain and sometimes even changes in mood. So if I was having what I would call like a flare, um, I guess my symptoms would look a little bit like depression, just low motivation, negative you know, thought cycles, um, just not feeling inspired by life. And one of the things Dr. Krasian says in the training is that the quality of our brain health really determines the quality of our life. And that would definitely be my experience is 
from the challenges I've been through over the past year or so is that, yeah, my, my life didn't feel inspiring to me because I just didn't have the capacity to create it, to appreciate it, to feel in love with life. And so if anyone is going through these challenges, I really feel you and I hear you, um, but also know that there's so much you can do to help yourself, which is what I've been working on over the past year and what I'll share with you today. How, sorry, just to ask a question on clarification, but how much do you feel that that is specifically related to the brain or could that be just general overwhelm? Like life is so busy, there's so much going on. Like I think we can all experience that. Oh my gosh, it's just too much. And I actually don't have mm. the capacity right now to deal with this email and um, because of everything else that's in my life currently, as opposed to your brain not functioning optimally. That's a really great question. And I think it's almost like a bit of a chicken or an egg because stress, as we mentioned, is one of the biggest things that can influence um, neurodegeneration. And so the problem or the challenge with life that we probably all have is that it's just stressful all the time. The stress is chronic. So is it the stress of life or is it the stress of life, which is creating this impact on brain function and then these are the symptoms that are manifesting. And I can really see as I've been working through this content, how I was really, when I first moved down to Bournemouth and first started my online business, you know, like any new business, when you are building it in the initial stages, you, you have to work really, really hard. You don't have to, but that was definitely my experience. And I can really see now how much stress I was putting on myself. And so I think there's this accumulation of stress over time, but then there's also other compounding factors as well, like which we'll go into that all together, they create what I call the perfect storm. And then that for me with, with my genetic history and my health status manifested as it did, but someone else who maybe was under a similar amount of stress may not necessarily have all those other compounding variables and therefore the decline isn't as rapid or, um, or as severe, they have more resilience. Yeah. It's, it's not just one thing. I think sometimes it's a collection of things. So, before we dive into what can you do to help your brain function better, I thought it'd be nice just to start with a little bit of kind of like an overview of the areas of the brain. And then people can just start to tune in to what might be imbalanced for them. And, and this is not to scare you. It's really just to inspire you to look after yourself. And so we have two hemispheres of the brain. We've got the left-hand side and we've got the right-hand side. So the left-hand side of the brain is very much the, that what we would probably call more masculine side, which is the analytical, the logical, the language, the reasoning, the science, the math, written numbers. And the left-hand side usually controls the right-hand side of the body. And from an energetic perspective, I think we often talk about right as masculine, left as feminine. So there is that kind of overlap there. Then we have the right-hand side of the brain, which is very much about art and awareness and creativity and imagination and intuition and music and three-dimensional perspectives, and it controls the left-hand side of the body. And it's usually, that's the more feminine side um, we would speak about energetically. So what happens in most people is they'll develop typically more in one side versus the other. And so you may already be aware, yes, I'm quite logical, I'm quite analytical, I like maths and science and written numbers. And then 
maybe like for you, Shay, and probably you probably identify with the creativity, the imagination, the intuition. So you may have a more well-developed right-hand side of your brain versus left-hand side of your brain. And most people will find that one side is dominant. I did this reflection on myself and I kind of feel like I was a little bit of both. Even when I was in high school, my, my parents said to me, you can do any subjects you want to do, but you must do maths and science. So I did maths and science, graphic design and sculpture. So it's like complete right and left-hand side balance. So sometimes it's not always one or the other, but for a lot of people, it can be. So what's important to understand is when, when we think about neurodegeneration or degeneration of the brain, we typically, because the brain requires stimulation, will start to degenerate more in the areas that were never the best developed in the first place. So if you're an artist and you're always working like creatively and with your intuition and you're very much like in that side of things, you might not really ever notice if your ability to do maths is declining or your ability to write or do things are declining because you're just not using that side. So this is where maybe there can be a delay in noticing some of the symptoms. So just when you said about writing, I was always under the impression that languaging came more onto the right brain side of things. Are you classifying language into the left side of things? Language is actually the left-hand side. And um, the, the writing, I would also say, is like your ability to actually write that motor control. So we've got this left-hand side, right-hand side versus the brain. And if you are very well developed in one, the first side that may start to experience any decline in function may be the, the opposite side to which you've developed. But then within the brain, we've got these different lobes. And I'll go through each of them and what they relate to. And then what you can kind of be thinking about as I go through with this is, like, have I noticed any change in these areas in the past year, two years, three years even, and, and just kind of give yourself a little check or assessment as we go through. So we've got the frontal side, which is related to our personality, and that's our preferences. So that might be the food we like to eat, the music we like to listen to, do we like travel? It's also related to motivation and drive and focus and concentration. So I would say for me, I said over the past three years, I definitely noticed an ability and a change in my ability to focus and concentrate. It can also be associated with depression or ability to control impulses, handwriting, ability to do mathematics, ability to plan, and some sort of muscle coordination in sports um, and things like that. Then we have the parietal lobe, which is all about our spatial awareness. So, this might be a little bit of a difficult thing to pick up on, but if you maybe start to notice that there's always one side of your body, which is like bashed and bruised, or you always have, you have like injuries and scars, maybe on one side of your body, maybe there is some degeneration happening there because you're, you're constantly walking into things and bumping into things. And it's that spatial awareness is always just happening on one side, you know, right versus left. But it might also mean that there's difficulty like feeling stable on your feet. Maybe if you get up in the night to go to the bathroom and it's pitch dark you struggle to balance because you don't have that spatial awareness um or difficulty walking in high-heeled shoes or unable to recognize objects through touch 
So I think we've all maybe played that game where you close your eyes and you feel something and you have to guess what it is. So being really bad at that game essentially can indicate that maybe there's some decline in your parietal lobe function. Um, then we have the temporal lobe. And so the temporal lobe is about our long-term memory. And it's also how we hear and perceive sounds. So you might want to be thinking about any changes in your memory. Um, it can also be related to fatigue during the day, difficulty hearing with background noise. So I know like my parents are quite elderly now. My stepdad uses a hearing aid. And if we go to a busy restaurant where there's a lot of background noise, he really struggles to hear what people are saying. And so, I mean, obviously he's 75 now, so there will naturally be some age-related decline but we could say, well, that's definitely related to the temporal part of his brain, as an example. Then we have the cerebellum, which is related to our balance. Um, it's also related to seasickness or car sickness, dizziness or vertigo, and subtle shakes at the end of a movement. So one of the tests that you can do is you can actually take your um, index finger on your right hand and try and touch your nose and then take your index finger on your left hand and try and touch your nose. And then if there's like any shaking, so your hand begins to shake as you reach that point of content and um, point of contact that can indicate decline in the cerebellum. Shay is doing it now on video. I'm doing it. She's, yeah. she's awesome. Her cerebellum oh, got it. Is cool. I'm fine. I'm balanced. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the occipital lobe, which is about visual information. It's about colors, shapes. Sometimes people will get visual floaters in their eyes where you see like little um, shadows on the eyes, difficulty processing visual information. Or if you look at something and then you look away, the image, there's a reoccurrence of the image after. And I think we've maybe all done that when you've looked at something for a period of time and you close your eyes and you see the image still, but this might be without the eyes closed. So with the eyes still open. The reason why it's helpful to know these different areas of the brain and then what they relate to is because we've already talked about one of the things we need for our neuron health is stimulation. So in order to help the neural pathways, we, it then helps us to know what we need to stimulate specifically to help that part of the brain. So if you are noticing, for example, that um, there's an issue with the cerebellum, balancing activities would be really great. And this is why yoga is so awesome. And yoga is also awesome for that proprioception, for that um, um, parietal lobe. Yeah, the parietal lobe. Yes, parietal. exactly. And then if you notice, for example, this decline in your motivation and drive, focus and concentration, which is related to the frontal lobe, that's also associated with mathematical abilities. So maybe you need to stop doing all the calculations on your mobile phone and start to learn how to do them in your head again, or just writing sums out on a piece of paper. And I actually, I try and do that still is um, when I know I could probably do the calculation without my calculator, then I'll do it in my head or in the old school way, you know, pen and paper working it all out. So what it's about doing is actually taking those things that you find challenging and doing them. So you lean into what's hard because that's how we build those, those neural pathways. Um, and this process of the different lobes and identifying any imbalances or weaknesses or decline, that can just help you see where your energy and time is best spent specifically. So just a question on that with something that you mentioned about sort of the idea of the personality. And if you think about this connection between motivation and personality, I wonder how much is it as you grow and develop as a person, you become 
or at least if you go down more of the spiritual path, there's more contentment, there's more gratitude for what you have in this moment right now, mm-hmm. which kind of then automatically creates a state where there's no excess drive. There's no like, oh, I need to achieve, I need to do all these things. Mm-hmm. But does that necessarily mean a degeneration of the brain or can it just mean I've come to a new contented place within myself that I don't need to push. I don't need to strive. I don't need to hustle to do all these things. Yeah. So I think when you look at the idea of contentment, I think that's, you know, becoming more content and happy with life. I think that would probably be good for the brain because it's much less stressful, but I think what we might be looking at here is a decline. So I visited my dad when I was out in South Africa and he's in his seventies now. And he was, he was driving me back from the airport and telling me about how he just doesn't feel motivated to do anything. He's not doing any exercise. He's just noticing like he just feels a bit like, yeah, difficulty concentrating on his work. He's retired, but he still does bits and bobs and, you know, all of that. And, and I just said to him, you know, like I, that there could be many reasons for that, which I'll go on to in a second, but that's what we're talking about is where the things that you used to love, you almost feel like apathetic towards them. And if we think about people with the frontal lobe, it's related to depression, like people with depression, they're struggling to get out of bed each day. They're struggling to go and, um, you know, take a shower and make some good food or connect with their friends. Um, so I think it's, loss of motivation and drive where it's starting to um, have a negative impact on your quality of life. But I think contentment would probably increase quality of life. I wouldn't think that that would be a negative thing. So those are the different brain areas. And I just want to, this is a little bit complicated. So I'm going to try and make it simple, but I just wanted to touch on like how brain cells work. And basically what we have is this this electrical activity in our brain, which is created by the neurons. And all these neurons have this baseline electrical activity. I kind of just think of them as like little cells just sitting there like buzzing about with their electrical activity. And that's what we would call resting membrane potential. Then it's through stimulation that the neuron fires. So if we're working on our balancing, we're stimulating the cerebellum and the parietal lobe, like we talked about before. If you're trying to remember things, then you're stimulating the part of your brain that is associated with memory. So if we get enough stimulation, when the stimulation reaches a certain threshold, then we get like the neuron fires. So we need to have adequate stimulation so that the resting membrane potential increases to the level of threshold and then we get a firing. And what can happen is that when our brain cells are unhealthy, that our threshold and the resting membrane potential are too close together. So that means that any little stimulation is going to almost cause an overstimulation of the neuron. And this is often what people might experience, you know, when they go into a crowded place and they feel very overwhelmed. Or I had an example with a client of mine, she's a hairdresser and we've kind of identified that some stuff is going on for her here. And she said that the one day she dropped a um, hairbrush on the floor and it was almost like the sound of that hairbrush. It was just a hairbrush dropping on the floor, but it was so overwhelming for her because we suspect that her resting membrane threshold is so close to the uh, membrane potential threshold, the stimulation threshold, that, that the little sound from the hairbrush has just made a really, really big difference. So, 
what we ideally want to do is have a healthy difference between the resting membrane potential and the threshold membrane potential. And how we create that healthy difference is by having healthy neurons, healthy nerve cells or brain cells in the brain. But then doesn't that, if that potential, if that threshold is much wider, then doesn't it require so much more stimulus to get that triggering response? Um, in, in what we want is it to be healthy. So not too close, not too far away. We just want to have a healthy distance so that we're not being overstimulated by our environments, but yeah, we also don't want to be able, we don't want to be understimulated either. And so this is where the health of the neurons comes in, which is where that oxygen, that glucose, the stimulation, which we've actually talked about quite a bit already, and then the healthy mitochondria function comes in too. So I'll go through each of those areas. And we've actually talked about some of the stuff on the show in much more detail before. So there was an episode we did when I talked about the ketogenic diet and the blood glucose monitoring. That might be quite helpful if you want to dive in a little bit deeper to the glucose piece. We also talked a little bit about doing the blood testing when we talked about the pain and fatigue episode and getting an idea of whether or not we have healthy red blood cells. So there's a lot of overlap actually between some of the things we've talked about, but it's just putting it into context here now with the brain health is because if we want to get blood and oxygen to the brain, we need to have healthy blood flow. And this means we need to rule out any underlying anemias, which could be created by low levels of iron, low levels of B12, low levels of folate. And we also need to have healthy blood pressure. So low blood pressure is just as much an issue as high blood pressure. And I, again, if I think about myself as a case study, I've had low blood pressure my whole life, which means that I'm not necessarily pumping, even if my blood is oxygenated well, there's not a good supply of blood going to the brain. I know. So that. you need inversions. I need inversions. <laughs> and this is why yoga is amazing, right? It just helps with everything. But yeah, I, I often can stand up and feel quite dizzy because there's not enough blood going to my brain. So of course it makes sense that then if I'm standing up and I'm literally feeling dizzy, how are my brain cells getting the oxygen that they need to function appropriately? So little signs you can check in on for yourself would be get your blood pressure checked. Is it high? Is it low? And go upside down if it's low and it goes beyond the scope of this episode maybe, but taking steps and practices to bring it down if necessary. Then also just little things like the health of your fingernails. This is a really nice one because in the nutrition literature, there's usually a lot of information like if your nails look like this, it's this nutrient deficiency. If your nails look like that, it's this protein deficiency. Um, but what uh, Dr. Karazian said on the course was that you have to have good blood flow to your nails to get the nutrients. So if your blood flow isn't good, then that's something that's potentially going to have an impact on the health of your nails. So you're just looking at, do you have any little white spots on your nails? Do they chip and break and peel easily? Are there dents or ridges in them? These can all be signs of um, poor oxygenation. Um, also things like cold hands and feet, cold nose. You know when you press on your skin and it goes white and then it goes back to pink again? If that 
if that response feels delayed, it can be due to dehydration, but um, because that's also related to blood flow, but it can also be due to poor oxygenation. So those are little things you can do. You can also get your test done. I know we're going to do something with MediCheck soon and <laughs> Shay dropped her box on Insta stories. It was so cute. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the next step is blood testing, really just to rule those things out. If you suspect it could be an issue for you. So that's the oxygen piece. The glucose piece is really about blood sugar stability. So what that means is we want to avoid blood sugar, which is too low. We want to avoid blood sugar, which is too high. We want to have Goldilocks blood sugar. So blood sugar, which is just right. And when we're looking at this, there can be various signs and symptoms which can hint towards a blood sugar imbalance. One of those is having a lot of sugar cravings or waking up at like two or three o'clock in the morning. Often that can be because your blood sugar has dropped and your adrenaline, your cortisol is kicked in to stabilize your blood sugar. Um, it can also be due to stress as well. Changes in energy after meals. So if you feel like you're almost losing brain function, like you can't focus, you can't concentrate, and then you eat something and you're like, zing, that's probably a low blood sugar before eating, high blood sugar after eating. So it's, it's unstable. Whereas really what you want to experience is good energy, but a little bit of hunger, eat something, good energy, but you feel full after you eat. Sometimes people also feel okay and then they eat and then their energy drops. So all of these signs, you know, falling asleep at your desk, the 3 p.m. munchies, feeling very tired, like you need a nap at three o'clock in the afternoon, sugar cravings, always feeling like you need a stimulant or something sweet after a meal. These are all little hints. And if you wanted to go a little bit deeper, you could do some blood sugar monitoring like we talked about in the ketogenic diet episode. So just on that ketogenic um, point, does being in the ketogenic diet not bring you into too much of a low sugar level? So surprisingly, it doesn't because what your body is doing is um, in some cases, it actually helps to stabilize blood sugar because you're not swinging high or low. So for me personally, my blood sugar was, um, before I started the ketogenic diet, my blood sugar was normal before I ate, but then it was swinging too high after I was eating. So it was destabilizing in that way. Um, I've got a client at the moment, we're working on this together, but she's very busy, very stressed and actually under eating because she's just so busy. And so with her, what's happening is her blood sugar is low before she eats and then she eats something and then it just goes sky high. So what we're trying to do is even out that balance with her and just help her to actually not necessarily go ketogenic, but actually eat little amounts more often just to stabilize things. So it's really important to say that there isn't a one size fits all approach. The, the ketogenic diet was great for me, but it's not necessarily great for everyone. And where she is with her stress levels and her lifestyle, she may need to just eat less and more frequently, but still have a good balance of you know, food in her diet, good amounts of fats, protein and fiber. So that's the glucose piece. Each week we get incredible feedback about our episodes of Kombucha and Color. We know our show is touching, inspiring, and helping hundreds of women, and we would like to reach even more. Can you help? You can help other women find the inspiration that you have found if you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. 
If you screenshot your review and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna, Shay, or Kombucha and Color, we'll send you a wonderful restful yoga nidra practice to download so you can find some peace and calm in your day or a better night's sleep at night. Additionally, everyone who enters and leaves a review and shares it on Instagram will be put into a lucky prize draw to win a copy of my Beat the Bloat guide and Shay's yoga guide. You can love your body from the inside out with 174 pages, including over 100 pages of recipes, which walk you through my 28-day digestive reset process. This is perfect if you want to reset your body, address any unwanted health symptoms, or support your skin, hormones, energy, and digestion. Shay's 173-page yoga guide includes 116 pages of detailed pose analysis. It will give you all the tools you need to teach yourself yoga so you can sequence, practice, and flow safely in your very own home. Remember, all you need to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, screenshot the review, and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna underscore Marsh underscore nutrition, Shay at Indie Yoga Life, or Kombucha and Color, Kombucha underscore and underscore color. Head on over and do that right now before you forget, and then your yoga nidra practice will be on its way. The third one was stimulation, which we already talked about is do the thing that helps the part of your brain that maybe you're struggling with. So obviously if you're struggling with concentration, maybe you do need to work on the oxygen and the glucose so you can concentrate better. But then it's, I know, especially in this day and age with mobile phones and notifications, we're all over the place. We have like a million tabs open on our computers and we're never really fully focusing on one thing. So really challenging yourself to be present. Again, yoga, meditation, for example, where you're just focusing and concentrating on one thing for as long as you can and then bringing your attention back, bringing your attention back. But also, you know, those other bits and pieces we talked about when we looked at the different parts of the brain. Then the final thing is the health of the mitochondria. So the little energy factories in the cell and working on oxygenation and glucose can help the mitochondrial health. So I don't need to rehash all of that. But the other thing that really helps you is just reducing the overall inflammation in your body. We've talked many times on the show before about how digestive health can relate to inflammation and how that can affect inflammation within the whole body. And for some people specifically, like food sensitivities can be a really, really big source of that inflammation. So maybe looking at uh, a digestive protocol, a trial elimination of gluten or dairy, like, like we're doing in the, the beef bloat at the moment. Um, supporting sleep, supporting stress. And there are certain foods which can help inflammation, the plant-based diets, healthy omega-3 fatty acids, specifically DHA. So all those kind of anti-inflammatory principles will all be beneficial in supporting the mitochondrial health alongside the oxygenation and the glucose control. 
So one of the things to also highlight is the importance of exercise. And I think we spoke, Shay, we talked about the BDNF, the brain-derived neurotropic factor, when we talked about the source. We did the episode on the, the source, which was the book that you mentioned, which was also a little bit actually about brain health. And one of the things that I've been doing is doing oh, I started this four weeks ago, so it's a little bit more now, but I started out just doing three minutes of high-intensity exercise per day. And previously with my exercise journey, I had worked out that for me, my exercise routine, how I was exercising, was a massive trigger for inflammation. And that inflammation that was being created in my body post-exercise was one of the key things that I had then linked with my inability to concentrate, brain fog, and all of that. I also had um, some glucose stuff I needed to work on, and I also actually have some oxygenation stuff I need to work on as well. So I'm like the perfect case study here. But because I had completely stripped my exercise back, what I had started to do was I was only really exercising at low intensity. And low intensity exercise is great for the cardiovascular system, but we do need to spend a little bit of time each day exercising at high intensity if we want to help our brain. And high intensity in this case is defined as greater than 70% of your maximal heart rate. So how you work that out for yourself is take 220 minus your age and then you that will be your maximum heart rate so i'm just this is not true but if i was 40 i would take 220 at minus 40 my maximum heart rate would be 180 and then what i want to do is work out 70% of that so i'm just actually going to do this now on your calculator on my calculator because <laughs> Time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. So that's 126 beats per minute, which means that I have to get my heart rate above 126 beats per minute or whatever it is for you for at least three or four minutes a day, which is not much, not much at all. I had found I was so fearful of doing anything that got me hot and sweaty and out of breath because that's essentially what you want to get irrespective of whether you're measuring your heart rate or not. And so I had become almost fearful of anything that would make me feel out of breath because I was like, oh no, I'm going to get inflamed again. And it had almost become associated with like, like a fear response. But I was like, no, I can do this. I can do three minutes. And so I just started and I did three minutes every day and it was just, you know, body weight squats at home as fast as I could, and then some press ups, and then a little bit of like running on the spot, tiny knees, like one minute of each or whatever. And then I did it every day, three minutes, and I was like, that's okay, this isn't triggering me. And then I built it up to four minutes, to five minutes, to six minutes. And this week I've just gone up to seven minutes. Now for someone who hasn't been able to do any kind of training like this for the past eight months, just to be able to do seven minutes, it's, it's really feels like such a big achievement to me. And you don't really have to do more than seven minutes to get the, the benefits for your brain. So the benefits of doing these short, what I call exercise bites, are um, it actually helps your neurons grow. It helps them branch and it improves the connection um, at the synapses. It improves communication between the neurons. And this is all because it increases this brain-derived neurotropic factor. The challenge, I guess, is that, and I think this is what happened, this was what was happening to me, is I was pushing myself so hard all the time. I was probably exercising at high intensity 
80% of the time I was working out. So I was just spending too much time at high intensity, which means that any benefits were just completely being outweighed by the inflammation I was creating. So these little exercise bites, depending on where you are with your health, you could even just start at one minute and build yourself up from there. It's, it's a really great way to get that feel-good feeling that you get from doing some high-intensity exercise, but not push your body over the edge. Mm, I love that. So, yeah, that that is, in a nutshell, everything you need to know, really, to get started. You know, with each of these different points, we, we've touched on a lot of, I guess, more of the detailed information on the show through some of the other episodes we've done. But as an overview, this is, these are the things you want to kind of tick off, so to speak. Like, are you oxygenating well? Is your glucose balanced? Are you getting stimulation in the areas that you need it? Is there any hidden inflammation from your body? Maybe chronic stress, not getting enough sleep, not having enough good fats in your diet or any digestive issues. And just working through them one step at a time and notice what makes you feel good and also notice what what triggers you to make you feel bad. Mm-mm, I love that. So some takeaway things for people, um, looking at those lobes, choosing the thing that is challenging for you. So whether it's balance, whether it is thinking about something, your memory or thinking doing, about sums. doing sums, like choose the thing that's challenging for you and implement it this week or this month and make sure that you are getting enough good digestive health um, sleep well, get um, your bloods tested and yeah, I think that's it. And high intensity exercise for, yeah. uh, for a minute or so each day. Yeah, three minute or like it depends on your capacity, but I call it exercise bites. Just take a little bite of high intensity exercise each day. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, just that if anybody does want any help with this, it's I, I'm such a geek and I love this information and it's so easy for me to see so clearly how I can help people with all of this. But I know when it's you're listening to all of this for the first time, it can be very overwhelming and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Um, so if anybody does want some help to, if you are suffering with any brain fog or fatigue and struggling to get out of that hole, I do work with clients one-on-one helping them, you know, either in the short term or the long term work through their health challenges. So please just do reach out to me because the health of your brain really does define the quality of your life. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hi, it's Shay here. Take a moment right now to reflect on how you measure a successful day for yourself. For a long time, I measured the success of my day based on the number of Instagram likes or followers I gained, the money I made, or the amount of love or praise I received. Whilst these are wonderful things to desire, using them as a metric of success left me feeling really depleted. 
It was only after some honest soul searching that I've truly shifted my metrics so that now I define my success on whether I'm able to answer yes to the following three questions. Have I moved my body today? Have I breathed or sat in stillness today? Have I created something today? Move, breathe, create. When I focus on these as measures of a successful day, I am able to really slow down, get out of the busyness of my head, back into my body, and manifest things from a really authentic place. What's even crazier is that when I focus on these three things, all the other shiny pennies, the money, the praise, the followers, the likes, they all flow into my life with such ease as a result of me being in an energized, calm, creative, and aligned state. It's completely changed my outlook on life, and it's made me a much happier person. I really want to share all my tools with you so that you too can manifest the things you want in your life from this energized, calm, creative, and aligned state, and feel really happy whilst doing it. Come and join me at movebreathecreate.com, where you will find ways to energize your body and calm your mind, along with creative tutorials and techniques to get you into that creative, manifesting state. Most Yoga Studio monthly memberships cost upwards of £100 a month, and you can join me over at movebreathecreate.com, where you can find not only yoga practices and tutorials, but also workbook downloads, community, meditations, soul work, journal ideas, creative prompts, and inspiration, all for less than £10 a month. It's like your own personal yoga retreat space. Come connect back to your body, mind, and soul with me at movebreathecreate.com. I look forward to seeing you inside of the community.